I was so depressed. I was at this bus stop and just no money, car repossessed, and a man walked by me and he said hi to me. And I was like, whatever. I'm Paula Ferris, and this is Journeys of Faith, where we talk to people about how their faith guided them through the best and worst of times. Now, you may not think that is the start of a faith journey, but it was for Sherry Shepard. In this episode, the comedian and former co-host of The View shares her story of losing faith. And that's when I started crying because I thought God didn't love me anymore. And finding it again. It's time for our radio voices now, Sherry Shepard. <laughs> you are one of my favorite people, I have to say. Girl, thank you. It is so exciting. I'm so glad that you you were able to join us uh, this afternoon in New York. One thing that I've always admired about you mm-hmm. is you can see that there's an inner joy yeah. that just radiates from your body. It just exudes from you. And why is that? What is that joy? Jesus! Ah, can you say amen? Um, you know, it's so different from happiness because mm-hmm. happiness is kind of temporal. But joy is something that you just have no matter what. Right. And I, my name really should have been Joy, but it, I just know, I get so excited because I just know that no matter what, God has me. No matter mm-hmm. what, he doesn't have any oops moments. Like, right. the, you know, he's not sitting there going, "Who? I didn't know this girl was going to get a victim. Who, why didn't y'all tell? <laughs> he never has those moments. And when I know that, I know that he's got it all under his control. So when I'm feeling overwhelmed, when I'm feeling like mm-hmm. I don't know what to do, what decision to make, you know, being a single mom, I can get on my knees and go, you got it. Like, I give this to you. Sure. And when I give it to him, when I give it to God, then I can just be in peace and go, everything's going to be okay. Right. And I'm excited that I have that. Yeah. A lot of people don't have that. But you and I didn't really get a chance to work together much. I mean, I I'm know. part of the view for three seasons and yeah. we didn't overlap, but you would come back as a guest co-host and I would have some challenging days on The View. And, and when you were there, the the um, several times you were there when we were both there together, I remember before the show, you would come up to me and you would hold my hand in prayer and we would say a prayer right before we walked out. I know. It can be a little terrifying to face, but I want to rewind. Okay. Let's rewind your life a little bit. Yeah. And so you grew up in a pretty religious household, correct? Very much so. I was raised a Jehovah's Witness. And we went out in field service every Saturday. And by the way, guys, who, when Jehovah's Witnesses come to your door, stop hiding behind the curtains because we can see you. Um, <laughs> that so, wasn't creepy at all, by the way. Just, I'm just like, every time they would hide. My uh-huh. dad, at eight years old, literally, he would put me in front of him to ring the doorbell because mm-hmm. people don't want to be mean to a child. Right. But I was raised a Jehovah's Witness, and it was a very strict uh, upbringing that I had. So I was very shy, a little nerdy. And then we became like, I think around in my teenage years, I stopped being a Jehovah's Witness and I got saved at a, at a Pentecostal, a black Pentecostal church girl. And so when you're a Jehovah's Witness, you don't go into churches. Mm-hmm. So it's like churches are from the devil. Right. So I went up in this church, in this black Pentecostal church, and they were shouting, and they were speaking <laughs> in this other language, and blah, 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 boom, 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 and the drums were going, and the music, and, and, and I was like, oh my gosh, what is going on? But I tell you, I had such a sense of peace Mm -hmm. when I was in the church because my mother at the time had diabetes. She passed away at 41. I'm sorry about that. Well, you know, she just she I'm going to tell you her passing away at 41 taught me because I'm also a type two diabetic how to take care of my body, how to take care of myself for my child who's 13. So I learned from that, my son, Jeffrey. But stepping into this church, it was like so much stuff going on. 
but I had peace. Mm -hmm. I did. And I said, God really has a sense of humor that he would take a Jehovah's Witness, have her come to a Pentecostal church and get saved. (laughs) (laughs) So for, for those that are listening, what is the difference between a Jehovah's Witness and a devout Christian, which is what you, what you claim to be, what I am as well. And and why, why did you convert? Why did your family convert? Okay. For now, I I know I'm going to offend People, this is my truth, being a Jehovah's Witness from 11 to 18 Right, this is, this is your story. Yeah, this is what you know. This is my story. So being a Jehovah's Witness, we were taught that 144,000 people are going to heaven to help uh, Jesus rule. They're going to be at the right hand of God, helping him rule. Um, you know, it, it was very strict. We are taught uh, things like, you know, you don't celebrate birthdays or pagan holidays, such as Christmas. You don't do blood transfusions. That I mean, very, very nice people. I still have friends who are Jehovah's Witnesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were taught also, you know, Christians believe in the Trinity, God, Jesus, the father and the Holy spirit, that they're three separate individuals, but they're all one. And as a Jehovah's witness, you believed it's Jehovah God. And he had, he had his son and the Holy spirit is like a force. It's like a breath of air, but we believe the Holy spirit is a person. And so it's those little, little differences in, in, in the Bible that separate Jehovah's Witnesses from um, being a Christian. Now, as a Christian, I feel like when I was a Jehovah's Witness, I had kind of two lives. I had the life that I had being in the Kingdom Hall and going out in field service. And then I had the other life as Sherry, you know, the girl who loved hmm. going on dates and boys. I, yeah, I got in trouble when I, had, when I lost my virginity. I got in trouble <laughs> uh, being a Jehovah's Witness when I lost my virginity. I remember the elders um, questioned me for probably two and a half to three they, hours. They, they, they questioned They you? questioned me. It was three older men. Well, how did they find out that you lost your virginity? Girl, because my sister read my diary. Oh, Took gosh. my diary, the pages, tore them out, and took them to my mother. And she took them to the elders. It was very traumatic because I was a young teenager, and my mm. father, they had my father sit there. Oh, gosh. And that was really traumatic to be questioned by three very old men in the congregation about losing something that was so beautiful that I thought at the time um, to be questioned over and over and over in front of your dad. It was humiliating. It was That was one of the things that, that just kind of made me shy away. And then they disfellowshipped my dad, who was working three jobs to take care of us. He asked a lot of questions. Wait, why did they disfellowship My father, father didn't just take what you said as as the golden rule. He mm-hmm. wanted to know why, 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 until he was satisfied. And he asked a lot of questions. And, you know, he didn't accept certain teachings from the Jehovah's Witnesses and they disfellowshipped him. And I was told, I don't talk about this last. So it was like now coming back to me. Mm-hmm. I was told as a young girl, we had to stop talking to him, even though he lived in the house. So my dad worked as a waiter at Denny's in the suburbs of Chicago where they were very prejudiced. And we walked in and my two sisters told him, we can't talk to you anymore. And I remember my father breaking down crying because that was his second job. And he worked three to take care the of the church us. was telling you you could they told us we could not could talk not to talk my dad, to your own father to my own father so we had to like not talk to him in the house and to see my father break down and cry and I think mm-hmm. that kind of was the last straw because I felt in the Bible it says the greatest of these things is love mm-hmm. and you're telling me that the man that I love who's like giving everything to take care of me I can't talk to like I can't have anything to do with my dad and my parents got divorced because of that but um, that was another thing that kind of drove me away from the the Jehovah's Witnesses. And like I said, they're really nice people. I don't believe in that religion. 
any longer. I'm a Christian girl. And, you know, what I love is I'm not giving you any fake version of Sherry. <laughs> Sherry, there's some curse words that I say when I stub my toe. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm working on it. Jesus. Good Lord. Thank you. I imagine if somebody cut you off on the highway. there. Actually, maybe... I'm very nice. I go, God bless you oh, wow. as I cut you back off. <laughs> you were a better person than I. I, I do not on the road. <laughs> but it, when I stub that toe or when Jeffrey's doing something, mm-hmm. that curse word will come and I'll go, Lord, forgive me, Father. You know, mm-hmm. I know not what I do today. But uh, you get all of me. So there's no two lives that I'm living, mm-hmm. the, the Christian girl and the Sherry girl. It's one and the same. And I pray that every day you see Jesus within me, even if you see Sherry, you know. I want to loop back to, to yeah. the Jehovah's Witness. So you're not allowed to talk to your father. Right. For how long did that go on? That went on until I stopped going to the Kingdom Hall. Like, even when I lost my virginity, I was put on I was put on reproof. That's what it's called. It's like punishment. They put okay. me on reproof. And it was public reproof. So they came out in front of the congregation, which was also This is like public humiliation, is it not? For me, it was because they said there's been sexual sin. Mm. And Sherry Shepard is on public reproof, which meant that people couldn't talk to me for like a period of six months. So you could. So people who knew me, who who loved me, could no longer talk to me for six months. And the, the thinking behind that, I think, is when you get disfellowship, which is an excommunication, nobody can have anything to do with you, like with my dad. The thinking is... You've been a witness so long, and that's all the people that you know. And once you're excommunicated, now you're out there in the big, wide world associating with people that you've learned are not going to be in the new system, mm-hmm. which is what Jehovah's Witnesses teach, not heaven, but in the new system of things. And so you're out there, and you're kind of lost, and you want to come back home. You want to come back home to be in a witness. And once you come back and you repent for your sins, they take you back in like nothing ever happened, like the prodigal son kind right, of for sure. in, the, in the Bible. And so I was put on public reproof for about six months. And then after six months, everybody hugged me like nothing had happened. Right. And I was not allowed to talk to boys for one year. Okay, I was... I was 16. You don't know, I can't talk to a boy. I can't look at a boy. And, and you tell me I can't. And so that was my, my punishment. But So you're how old at that point? And then how many years later did you leave I got the church? Out probably, I got out of the church probably when I was about 19. Okay. I just kind of stopped. My mom had passed away. She was a witness. And, you know, they were very nice. They came to help her when she was going through what she was going through. And uh, I just, you know, not being able to talk to my dad, that was hard. Because my mom didn't let me talk to him a lot. So I and I just I found the church. I, you know, I kind of was like floating around with nothing. I felt like literally because I was so afraid to go into a church because I've been taught the church from the devil that I felt like I had nothing. That's a despair. Mm-hmm. I don't wish that on anybody to have that kind of despair. Like you have nobody to pray to because I felt, well, if I'm, I'm not a Jehovah's Witness, so God doesn't love me. So I can't pray to Jehovah and I don't, but what do I have? And I thank God and I tell people that no matter, even if you're not doing what you're supposed to do, God still loves you and God still has his hand on you. And even in that moment, Paula, when I was riding a bus, I was getting evicted and cars being repossessed. I was a struggling comic. That was another thing. They told me that I couldn't do stand up comedy, um, that I was, it was too, it was distracting me too much from going out in field service. So, and I go, but I love doing stand up. I love it making people laugh. So to be told that I couldn't do something that I love was hard for me too. So I'm doing stand up comedy. I'm struggling, thinking that every bad thing that's happening to me is because I'm not a Jehovah's Witness anymore. You're not allowed to talk to boys. At this point, I was older. Now I'm 19. <laughs> I didn't talk to some boys. Oh boy, if I talk to some boys. So <laughs> I have before Christ and after Christ. Oh boy. Um, and, and, I was in a, on a bus stop and I was so depressed, literally. And can I tell you how God works? 
Uh, I was so depressed. I was at this bus stop and just no money, car repossessed. And a man walked by me and he said hi to me. And I was like, whatever. And he helped a, an older lady sit down. He let her sit down um, because so she wouldn't have to stand up. And I thought, he is so cute. I think I'm going to give him some. That is what I was thinking. I'm just going to give him some. And y'all know what that means. I'm, that's where I was in my life. And do you know when he looked at me when I was like, you know what? Mm-hmm. You cute. He says, do you have Jesus in your life? And I was like, that's like screech. (laughs) And I was like, Jesus. And he said, do you have Jesus in your life? And I lied. And I went, yeah. And he said, what church do you go to? Oh, he called you out. He called me out. And there was a church that I used to pass on the bus all the time. uh, West Angeles Church of God in Christ. Bishop Charles E. Blake. It was a Pentecostal church. And I said, I go to that one. And do you know, he asked me to go. And I said, okay, you you don't want to sleep with me? And he said, no, I want to know if you want to go to church. And I walked into church so scared, like it was going to blow up. And that's when they was shouting and speaking in tongues. And the music this was a playing. Pentecostal church. This was a black Pentecostal church, girl. But I felt the most peace. And when they said they preached about how much Jesus loves you and how much God loves you, and there's nothing you can do to be separated from the love of God. And that's when I started crying because I thought God didn't love me anymore. And so they said, do you want to, anybody want to come up and accept Christ? And I had never heard that terminology. I didn't know what it meant, but I was like, I'm, I'm going up there. And I went up there. They kept hitting me in the head, like, because in a Pentecostal <laughs> church. Girl, yeah, because in a Pentecostal church, one of the evidences of accepting Christ is you automatically speak in tongues. Mm-hmm. So they hit you in the head. And I'm like, hit me in the head one more time. One more time, hit me in my head. I didn't, I didn't speak in tongues then. And so, but the, the fact, I would go there every week and it was just so much peace that I got from going to church, and I've never stopped going. Such an I incredible story. And it going. all started, you were probably at one of your you know, worst moments, one of the lowest moments. The you lowest were struggling. Moments. Yeah. And this My random guy, and this just... random guy who you were trying to hit on, mm-hmm. actually invited you to church. And we still can be touched to this day. No. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, and then I married him. <laughs> no, no, girl, no. Not the marrying type, but he's a dear, dear friend of Ooh, mine. How incredible. But when people say, if people were to hear that, that story and yeah. say, oh, that was just random. No, do you believe that it was random be- or do you believe that that was some sort of divine I- intervention right Absolutely. There? I don't believe in the word random. I don't think anything is by chance. I think everything is a divine appointment. I think that when people plant seeds into your life of even when I was at a comedy club at, as a legal secretary with my girlfriends and never even thought about being a stand-up comic and a lady turned around and said, you need to do that. You could do because I was making everybody laugh before Andrew Dice Clay went on stage. Mm-hmm. That's when he was doing the hickory dickory dock and then making women mad with the with the rhymes that were just uh-huh. crazy. And the lady says, you can do that. And she planted a seed in my life where I thought, I wonder if I could make people laugh mm-hmm. like he's making people laugh. So I don't think that was random. I think it was very divine. So I think that that's why you have to really be careful. A word, a touch, a hug will change somebody's life. It really will. It's those little things. It's and, those and little things. And that's when you were getting back to what you were talking about. You say you hope every day that people see Jesus in you. And that's what I mean. It, it doesn't mean that I, I, I'm never going to come up to you. Let's say I didn't know you, Paula, and go, hey, Paula, how do you feel about Jesus? Do you want to read Psalms 83, 18? Which because says it what? says, which I don't know, but I know <laughs> it's a great scripture. Philippians 4, 4, 6 says, do not worry or be toiled and tarry. I'm not, I, I won't ever do that. But what I will come up to you, I will make you laugh. I'll probably mm-hmm. hug you because I love to hug. And I'll probably talk to you about something. Or if you say you're going through something, I will say, can I pray for you? 
Which you have. You I have. Done I love. That for I me. love praying, and I don't force it on anybody. Mm-hmm. If you want it, I'll give it to you. If you don't, I'll pray behind your back, and you won't even know. Mm-hmm. And so, and I hope that even in you seeing me go, oh darn it, and that's not the word I say because <laughs> I stub my toe. You'll say, but I, I like that girl. Mm-hmm. And then if you ask me, why are you so happy? Or why do you smile so much? Oh, then I'm gonna tell you about exactly. Jesus. Exactly, and that's that's you have such an infectious smile. There's such a grace. And kindness about you that I think, you know, I was drawn to you and people are drawn to you in generally. But this gentleman's name that that you met on the bus, what what is his name? His name is Sharon. Sharon. (laughs) Sharon. And he was a drummer for Dr. Dre. Can you believe it? Really? He was a drummer when Dr. Dre did the Chronic album, a rapper. He was a drummer. And do you know, it's so funny. And people say, oh, my gosh, I think God, when we talk about divine intervention, God puts people in certain places because there are some people in entertainment that will never see Jesus unless you're there. So that's why you ever, I believe everybody you're born with a purpose. You're born with an assignment. Mm -hmm. And I, and it makes me sad when people feel I have nothing to live for. Yes, you do. Because there's people that you're going to reach that Sherry Shepard will never talk to. And this man here in Sharon, he was a drummer for Dr. Dre. He bought Jesus in there all the time because he was the only one that didn't drink, smoke, get high. And they were always asking him, you was the weirdest. What's going on? Uh And he was always going, I'm bringing somebody to church. And that's the that's a fallacy. People think in order to minister to others, you have to actually work in ministry. No. But you just have to. Your life is ministry. It it, it totally is, yeah. and, and people are needed in every single area and every single facet of life. Um, yeah, I entertainment and entertainment. I have people when I, I was used to speak with the women of faith, these dear ladies, and I would have people come up to me and say, "My daughter wants to be an actress or a musician, and I don't want her in that world of darkness." Well, that's why they're needed, right? Because it's a world of darkness. If not you, then who? Then who else? It's like th- this entertainment industry is a dark world, and people are here, and they hurt, and they they have a hole that needs to be filled with some spirituality, and they need that need that person. So don't say I don't want them in that business because there are some people that are hurting that I can't reach. Mm-hmm. People hurt in the entertainment industry, and they won't necessarily go out and tell you they're hurting. You'll mm-hmm. see it in their lifestyle. You'll see it. And when we were so quick to judge, but a lot of the acting out is because they hurt. One of my assignments, and I'm not afraid to say it, and he will tell you all the time, Andy Dick. Andy Dick yeah. was my, and I would go, Lord, why is this my assignment? But Andy Dick, I would go get him when he was at his highest. I will bring him to church. And he goes, Cherie, that's how I knew he was drunk. Cherie, why are you bring me? I would bring Andy to church hungover. He bring a ball, a, a whole thing of gumballs to the kids mm-hmm. in Sunday school. And I remember we went to church, girl, and he said, that lady's so hot. <laughs> and I said, that's the pastor's wife, Andy, oh, that you can't. And, and, you know, that was my assignment when I did a show with him for four years. And even now, I will pray with Andy. Mm-hmm. I'll, I will call him and or he'll call me and say, I just need you to pray with me. Wow. So what an impact you've had. Yeah, and that's somebody who's like, I, you know, that was a divine intervention. But there's other people I can't reach. Mm-hmm. I can't talk to everybody. He just happened to be mine. No, so. but that's why you're placed where you are. We all have a different role to play. And you have been in, in the business for a long time. Yeah. I mean, TV actress, hair, film actress. I actually don't. It's it's beautiful. <laughs> I can't see it. It's, Thank it's goodness for a good well. wig. <laughs> but, but most people would say that Hollywood and, and where you work, that it's a very secular industry. Yeah. How do you reconcile that with your deep devotion to your faith? I mean, do you ever find that it's compromised? You know, there's times when I have to make choices to, to where I say no to, to things that I go in my spirit I wouldn't be able to do. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't judge anybody for doing it. So I, I think I tell people when they want to get into this industry, you have to figure out what your boundaries are because you don't want to be in the situation and then it happened. And now you're trying to figure out what you're going to do. So you have to think about that kind of stuff. But it is it's a secular industry. But just like, you know, there are Christians who work at the post office. When you go get stamps, you don't want to be hearing a bunch of scriptures. I want my stamps mm-hmm. and I want to send this out by the mail. But you do get it when they smile at you and when they're extra nice to you or they say, how are you doing today? That's, I think, when you get in the, in the practical way, you're able to show your faith. It doesn't mean you have to have a Bible sitting right there yeah, yeah. at your desk. I mean, I Elizabeth Hasselbeck, we would pray all the time before The View, and I would always say to her, you know Barbara Walters is your assignment, Elizabeth, and Barbara would come every day and go, I, she's giving me another Bible. <laughs> she's giving me another Barbara, Bible. Barbara talked openly about how much Elizabeth was trying to minister to Let her. Let me tell you something. They would be on the plane, and Barbara would be like, is there anyone else I can sit with? Because. <laughs> Elizabeth would literally be like, okay, if this plane goes down, you have Jesus, right, Barbara? Uh-huh. And so I would say, Barbara is your assignment. Mm-hmm. And it was mine, too. When I would go by, when I would go by, and I love Barbara so much. She's just, she is the reason why I know who I am and I found my voice. And I thank God for her. But I would go by Barbara. You can't go by Barbara and go, Barbara, let me just pray for you. Yeah. You just got to lay your hands on her back and be like, hey, Barbara. <laughs> Just lay hands on her. And as you lay hands on her, you just, you know, you just say a little prayer Mm -hmm. and you keep going. So you think we all have an assignment. I absolutely do. Do you have an assignment right now? Who's your assignment? I don't know who is my assignment right now. I know right now my son is. That's my number one assignment. Jeffrey. being a mother. Jeffrey. How old is Jeffrey Jeffrey's now? Jeffrey's now 13 years old. Incredible. And he is my number one assignment. So every choice that I make, I have to keep Jeffrey in mind. So I don't know exactly who, like with Andy Dick, we worked on a sitcom for four years. I knew that was my assignment because he called me too much in the middle of the night. I was like, okay. And he always wanted prayer. That was my assignment. So right now I would love Idris Elba to be my assignment, Mm -hmm. but I don't think that's God's will. Well, you never no. know. No, I know. The good thing no, about I, that. So you gotta figure out. We don't know that. We don't. No, Paula, I know. You got to figure out what, what you want and what God wants you to do. Pretty sure and, that those, those and, 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 and they don't, they they're don't. mutually exclusive. I have fasted over Idris. I have petitioned God. I have, pulled, I have fought <laughs> angels and said, please let Idris Elba be my assignment, Lord. And it is just not, I feel like Peter. Not happening. You know how Peter like kept praying mm-hmm. for that affliction yep. to go away? And I feel like Peter, I have prayed and I have Fought and fought the good fight, and Idris ain't came my way. Wait, wait, you really fasted over Idris Elba? Girl, girl fasted. It was only a day. Okay. I, I had to eat. Okay. I had to eat. So I know that so, was my assignment. I love it. So, <laughs> Sharon, correct? Sharon, yes. Do you think, do you go back to that moment and think, where would I be if I didn't have that moment? Where would I be without my faith? Where would I be if I didn't have that encounter on that bus, on that particular day? With Sharon, do you allow yourself to go there? I think that if it hadn't been Sharon, it would have been somebody else. Mm. I would like to think that God just wouldn't have given up on me; that He would have sent somebody else. I would, I would hope, and I, and I'm glad that I didn't meet an end because I was going towards I was in a lifestyle that was not healthy for me. And I remember my pastor said one time when I joined the church. God will save you from the stuff that's going to kill you first. Mm-hmm. And so I'm very thankful that I didn't, um, that I did accept Jesus when Sharon talked to me about him. He just, I just had so many questions and he was so patient with me. And, and so where would I be without Sharon? I don't know. 
I, I would hope that I still would be in the same place, but I'm well, very where, thankful for him. Maybe I should ask you, where would you be without your faith? Oh, girl, I, I think I would be dead, Paula. I think that I Why would be dead. Why do you dead. say that? I think that because it was so much stuff coming from me as a young girl, coming for me as a young shelter girl, being a Jehovah's Witness, and then starting stand-up comedy. And the the things that are happening in the entertainment world, drugs, the sex, the men, I think all of that was hitting me and I didn't know how to handle it. I was overwhelmed with that. And um, I think that I would have succumbed to one of those. I don't think I would have been here. I've been really? in many, many situations where if it were not for the grace of God and his protection over me, I think that I probably, and I was so naive. I remember somebody came by in a white van. I was sitting at the bus stop, girl. I was just trying to get to the next comedy club. Mm-hmm. I used to hitchhike all the time. And they came by in a white van and asked me if I wanted a ride. And I got in the van. They, I was so naive. And I got in that van, and girl, I remember they started talking to me about snuff parties. I never even knew what a snuff party was. I only found out about five years ago what a snuff party was. That's when you you have sex on camera and you kill the person. And they were what? asking, yeah, that's what it's, you didn't even know what I it was. I didn't even know you like a snuff party. Like, do you sniff perfume? No, that's what I was thinking. No, snuff is no. it's illegal. Wow. It's illegal. It's when you're you're having sex on camera with the person and you kill them. And that's and it's very illegal. And people collect these tapes and it's illegal to You got course. in a van where they were talking about having a snuff and the, party. They were asking me had I ever been to one and I didn't know what they were talking about. And they asked me had I ever been to a toga party. I didn't know what a toga party was when you walk around in sheets and sexual orgies. I just was trying to get to the comedy club. How did you get out of that situation alive? Something started feeling like something was not right about this because the questions were so inappropriate. And they were saying, you know, you're pretty enough. You could model. Now I had pimples all over my face. I knew I was. I, now I was like, I know I'm not that pretty. But they kept talking about you could model. Like, we just want to take you to some place and take pictures. And I was getting so uncomfortable. And I remember looking at the knob to pull up the that's before they had Teslas and things with the electric. You had to pull up the the lock on the mm-hmm. door, and it was you couldn't pull it up. Kind of miss those days, by the Girl, way. Girl, when you didn't have all of this electronic stuff. But Paula, I was sitting there, and I was so uncomfortable, and I started crying, and I just started crying. And they were just like, he said a curse word, and he was like, "Blank this," and they pulled over, and they let me out. Wow. Now, when I look back on that time, I could have been one of those missing women. That no, you know, when you come up and nobody knew, was nobody knew where I was at any time. I was always at comedy clubs. I would have been one of those missing women that you hear about. We last saw her; she was sitting at a at oh. a bus stop. And I think if it wasn't for the grace of God, with something like that, I was very naive, mm-hmm. you know. And I was a young girl; I was in my twenties or in my early twenties. So I believed everybody what they said to me. So that's without my faith. Yeah, I'd be I'd, I'd be there. After this short break, Sherry tells us how finding her faith didn't necessarily make life easier. So you you are Jehovah's Witness, and then you mm-hmm. become a Christian when you're 19. Yeah. Where do you go from there? How how, oh, girl, how many years later do you get married? Right, girl. You know, it's so funny. When I became a Christian, I went to I went to jail for eight days. I got evicted after you my, became a Christian. After I became after I got saved, it don't mean you don't suffer the consequences. <laughs> I want people to know that just because you get saved does not mean it's all roses and lollipops. Sometimes it actually becomes more difficult. Sometimes it becomes more difficult. I went to jail for eight days because I hadn't paid my traffic warrants, my tickets, because I always thought the new system was coming. That's what we were taught as a Jehovah's Witness. And that since it was coming, I was going to die anyway. So why pay any tickets? So why pay any of my bills? I was $30,000 in debt. I hadn't paid my traffic warrants, my tickets, because I always thought the new system was coming. That's what we were taught as a Jehovah's Witness. And that... Since it was coming, I was going to die anyway, so why pay any tickets? So why pay any of my bills? I was $30,000 in debt. 
because I, I never paid any bills because I was like, the new system is coming. I'm not going to make it. So let me just shop till I drop. Well, it didn't come. And I had traffic warrants and I was up to debt, a crazy debt. So I went to jail for eight days because I had so many traffic warrants. I got evicted because I wasn't paying my rent. I wasn't paying my car payment. It was crazy. I was homeless for about two or three months. I had my stuff in a pillowcase. I was staying on people's couch. But I still smiled the same way I'm smiling now because I knew that I could go in the church, that Pentecostal church with my stuff in a pillowcase and put mm-hmm. it up underneath the pew and still shout. You had your pillowcase of your belongings under the pew. It, I had a pair of jeans. I had some shirts, some underwear. Sharon, and I would stay on different folks' couches. And I never slept on the streets. I always stayed on people's couches because I just didn't pay my rent. So mm-hmm. I was always getting evicted. But I had got, but I got Jesus, and I knew I wanted to be a stand-up <laughs> comic that gave me joy. I was able to make people laugh on mm-hmm. the stage about my crazy life, and I knew I wanted to be an actress, and I knew I had Jesus, and so I was good. And at, eventually, I learned from being in church through my pastors at Oasis Church with Pastor Holly and Philip Wagner to pay my bills on time, to be on time, to take accountability for myself, to be responsible, to be a servant, to to tithe. I learned all of that. I actually brought them on The View because I wanted to thank them publicly. And I learned, so I've ne- I don't have anything. Nothing's late. All my bills are paid on time. I'll never be going to jail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, so it's, I just learned and I evolved. Just thinking about that. So you're homeless for, for a bit. Yeah. You're in jail. Yeah. Was that the lowest point of your life? or, or I, think there points? Mom, I think it was my mom was, my mom was dying. Mm-hmm. That was probably a really low period when my mother passed away. And I just felt like I just didn't have anybody because I didn't have the Lord before my mother had passed away. I think if I did, I would have been able to pray with her and all of the stuff that we went through with her complications from diabetes. It would have been so different. I think maybe I could have let she was saved when she was a little girl. And so I pray that that was that is what got my mom into heaven because it's hard for me to think any other way. But I feel like we could have made it through and I even could have prayed for healing and restoration and supernatural healing. I didn't know about all of that and asked the Holy Spirit to come and lay his hand over my mother's body as she was in the hospital, sick, you know, about to get her toe cut off. So I didn't know any of that. So it would have been wonderful if I could have used that. But, but you know, everything happens for a reason. It taught me, mm-hmm. like I said, to be very mindful of my health. Because I started The View when I was 40. I was so scared. And you were on The View for seven, eight seasons? Eight years. Eight, eight seasons. seasons. Yeah. And, and I, at 41, when I hit 41, I was so scared. When you do The View, you age. And like I've done it for three seasons. You, <laughs> you don't age chronologically. I think you, you age don't. maybe a couple years for every actual year. You really do. And it's so funny because nobody would know my age. But once you start The View, your age becomes like your your last name. Sherry Shepard, 41. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't even say, no, I'm not telling my They already know it. Yeah, everybody. Yeah, you become a bit of an open book. And I've had this this question posed to me because, you know, I'm a woman of faith and mm-hmm. grew up in a Christian home. So people say you don't, you don't really know any different, but they'll say your faith is a crutch because you can't handle reality. Has that ever been asked of you? People um, say, isn't your faith just a crutch because you can't handle reality? If you want to look at crutch that way, mm-hmm. but, you know, when somebody gives you a crutch, it's to assist you. It's to assist you so that you heal and that you get better. You don't throw away a crutch and I'm not going to use it. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to look at it as a negative, I choose not to. It is the thing that Joy used to ask me that all the time. It is the very thing that Joy I Behar. Joy Behar. Joy Behar. It is the very thing that I use to get me through life. And it is not, I'm not 
you to say I'm not in touch with reality. You don't know me. I've yeah. been through two divorces. I've been through so many things. And if I didn't have my faith, I probably would have had a nervous breakdown. Mm-hmm. My faith is what allows me to get up and keep putting one foot in front of the other. My faith is what allows me to go. It's going to get better. My faith is what allows me in this system of in this world that we're in today. As my heart breaks, when I see things happening, my faith allows me to say, believe in the in the goodness of humanity to believe that you know what we love is going to win out now we can't just sit here and go i love you and not do anything no i mean it's, it's actions it's not it's just words action faith don't do the work unless you do the work too so but my faith allows me to go it's you know what i got somebody to pray to otherwise i'd be in such despair i'm a black woman with a black son and i'm sitting out here i'm scared I'm, it, with with all of the stuff going on, it scares me of what I have to teach Jeffrey that there are people who won't like you because of your skin color. Oh, I'm in touch with reality. But my faith says, God, protect this boy when he goes out. Let him love the way you love. Let people see his his sweet smile. Let me be able to let him go and be okay and be at peace that he's out there. That's what my faith does. Otherwise, I'd be just a, I'd be a You'd mess. You'd be a nervous wreck. I'd be a nervous wreck. I wouldn't be able to function going through a divorce that's so painful, going, what what is wrong with me? What's going on? I would have had a nervous breakdown, but my faith, after I cried and losing hair, my faith said, I got your tears. Yeah. That's what God said. I got your tears, it's the, and it's going to be okay. It's that verse, in this world, you will have troubles. You will oh, have yeah. pain, but take heart, for I've overcome the world. It doesn't say that... By living the Christian life, you're... You're not going to go through anything. Yes. You you might even go through more difficult times, but you have that overwhelming sense of peace and joy, which is so... It Absolutely. just oozes from you. Have you ever questioned your faith? I have. Um, Multiple occasions. I think I've... I've there's sometimes... Jeffrey almost died when he was a baby. He was born at five and a half months, and he was a pound, 10 ounces. And I remember um, we were going to pull the little plug on him because he was born with a hole in his intestines. And he had three he had, had three surgeries and everything that could be wrong with Jeffrey. We had lost his little sister because I was pregnant with twins. And I remember crying, going, Lord, I pray for this baby. Like, I, I prayer circles and why? Why is this happening? And I just said, I just got I got to trust in you. My mind can't handle it. And do you know, right before we went to pull the plug, because they said he was going to have shunts in his brain. He was gonna you be, were how close to pulling the plug? Oh, we were so close because they said he was going to be par- paralyzed, cerebral palsy, mental challenges, uh, shunts in his brain. He was going to live a, just a life that was going to be n- not good. So we decided to let him go to heaven because he had a little sister up there. He had many Dutch sisters and brothers up there because, mm. like I said, I had had a lot of abortions. I was going through this lifestyle that was not healthy for me. And I said, he's got his grandmother. He's got brothers and sisters up there. He's got aunties and uncles who will welcome him into heaven. And we went to pull the plug. My girlfriend, Nisi Nash, was with me quoting Bible scriptures. And right before they went to pull the plug to let him take his last breath in my arms, the head of the neonatal intensive care unit uh, chief guy came in. I don't remember the chief guy. He said, um, Jeffrey, the hole in his intestine has healed. The blood in his brain has resolved itself. So no shunts. No. You were intest- literally moments it away. It was a miracle. Oh, moments away from pulling the plug. And so my husband at the time said, whatever package he comes in, we'll accept it. If I have to wheel him in a wheelchair mm. to soccer practice, we will do that. Now, does Jeffrey have issues? Yes, he does. 
But when that boy runs to me and goes, Mommy, where's your wig? Sweetest. He did. Wait, wait. He, he said, w- Mommy, where's your he wig? He said, Mommy, where's your wig? He <laughs> says that. And he makes me laugh. When he says, Mommy, I love you. I just oh. put him on a plane just a few minutes ago. He keeps it real. He keeps it. My son keeps it so real. And, and people prophesied over me when I was pregnant. They said he's going to be a pastor. And it's so funny. Now, now my son's going to be, this is what my son says when I take him to church. Can you check the website and see how long the service is going to be? That This is a man who's going to be a pastor, but I'm having faith. You know what? <laughs> Nothing's too big for God, right? Girl, because this boy, we were at church with, uh, and they were singing a lot of songs. It was a long service. Baptist church. Baptist church. Last like 12, 13 hours. I think they're actually at 12, 13 days. Yeah, it's, it's long. It's like and a, oh, we, it's girl, a we week. went to a Baptist church and Jeffrey said, why? It, they keep singing the songs. And I said, Jeffrey, it's because we're visiting. I said, it's so that they can bring Jesus and the presence of Jesus. And he goes, mommy, Jesus is here. He is bored. It's too long. <laughs> and I said, See, I, I said, Lord, you know this boy. You are meeting this child where he is. But he will come oh out of gosh. Sunday school and be like, mommy, I want to join the church. We learned about Isaiah, and we learned, and I said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Jesus is bored. He said, Jesus is here, oh, and he is bored, mommy. My God, I don't know if I've heard it. <laughs> Girl, I said, I didn't teach him that, Lord. You know you know my heart. You know my oh, heart. Oh, <laughs> my gosh, Sherry. So how do you think your faith has changed over the years? Obviously, you were Jehovah's Witness, so yeah. it changed dramatically when you were 19. But since you became a devout Christian, how has it changed? It, my faith. Sometimes I think getting older, it gets scarier to step out on faith. Because I think when you're younger, stepping out on faith, you know, you get scared, but you don't think about like big picture stuff. Mm-hmm. And I stepped out on faith a lot. And I think even now my life is leaving the view was a big step. That was scary because everybody said, you're making all this money. This is a platform you never had. People know your name. What are you going to do? It was, and I kept saying, it's time to go because I wanted to concentrate on my acting mm-hmm. and I felt God leading me to leave and I got scared. And I remember because stability, you're making that money, you got your pension plan. But everything. everybody thought you were crazy. Like, why everybody would you walk away from this? crazy. You are walking away from the view. Do you understand what that is? It's mm-hmm. the top rated talk show ever. That's Barbara Walters. Whoopi Goldberg. And I remember I was starting to go through a divorce at the time and I got scared and I said, okay, because they wanted me to stay. And I said, I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay for a year or two because I can't leave. I'm going through this divorce. You got scared. I got scared. But you know, when God says it's time to move, it's time to move. They didn't renew my contract. They have been negotiating to keep me, Paula. And I remember sitting there in front of the mirror and I felt, I just felt like I heard God's voice say, I told you it was time to go. Mm So however I'm going to get you out, it's time to go. And I looked in the mirror and I said, Lord, you ever talk to the Lord like he don't know what's going on in your Mm -hmm. life? I said, Lord, I got a child with special needs. I need this job. I'm going through this divorce. It's going to cost me a lot of money. What am I supposed to do, Lord? I'm not young. And I was like, I'm giving him the whole laundry list of stuff. Like, I don't know if they told you this, Lord. Like he's hearing it for the first time. And he said, have I ever left you? Ever. And I was like, no. And I heard this voice said, do you trust me? I was like, Mm-mm, not at all. Not at all. Because maybe let me go over this list again. Cause <laughs> just Lord, in case you just didn't, just in case case you hear, hear me. me the first. And I was talking real slow. <laughs> just in case, Lord, you didn't hear me the first time. I'm single mom. I need this money. And did you hear me? And I, it was silence. And I just looked in the mirror and I said, and, and it was I just knew stepping out on faith. Nobody said it was going to be easy. But do you know, I got a call. Probably three days later from a man named Will Packer, who produces all of Kevin Hart's movies. 
two in the morning. He said, hey, lady, we got a part in uh, and uh, ride along too. We're offering it to you. I got a call from the people who produced Cinderella on Broadway, and they said we got a part for the uh, fairy, the the stepmother, the evil stepmother. And I said I can't sing. They go, that's okay. We just want your joy. They took away my solo, so I sang with everybody else. So I did Broadway. What is your singing voice like, by the way? Girl, I can carry. I look like a gospel singer, but I can't sing. I can karaoke. A, I can karaoke. Proud Mary. I'm the karaoke <laughs> queen, girl. I will karaoke a, a Sir Shirley Caesar song in a minute. I love it. Um, but I got a call to do Broadway. I did Broadway. I got a call to do a sitcom in L.A. where they allowed me to fly back home to be with Jeffrey. I never stopped working in the two years. I got a call again from The View to come back just when I was needed to fill in for people. I never stopped working. He always took care of me. So I always tell people, you know what? God is going to meet you where you are. If you have a baby, he's going to give you baby blessings. If you want an apartment, you're going to get apartment blessings. So you got to step out. If you want a house, then you're going to get your house blessings. But you just said you've got to step out. you got to step out on faith. Which is so tough to do. I it's love like that. chess. Faith is like chess. Oh. You make a move, God makes a move. You make a move. It's a dance. You have it's to take a, a step. I love that quote. Faith by... don't work unless you do. That's faith right. without works. What is it? It's, it's dead. dead. But it's Martin dead. Luther King's quote, and this is what I, I feel like it's, I'm going through this as well. Yeah. But faith is taking that first step when you can't see the rest of the staircase. And you can't see the rest. You can't see it. You, you can just see that first step. That's the first. And, you know, and, and it's like God has a whole picture, the whole snapshot of your life. And sometimes he only shows you just like a corner of that picture. Mm-hmm. And you don't know anything else. And you just kind of, you just stepped. He gives you a, enough light to step to. And you just need him. If we knew what was going yeah, on yeah. in our life, we wouldn't need it. And it's like, if it was all about stability, you wouldn't need faith. And if I hadn't left the view, gosh, I'm in a sitcom called Trial and Error. And they write me the most yummy stuff. Thursdays. Thursdays. On NBC, by Thursdays. the way. And it's so, and I've written books. And I do stand-up comedy. And I'm on tour doing my stand-up comedy. So that wouldn't have happened if I would have still been sitting on the couch with my cards. I would have been looking at other people going, gosh, what if I'd audition for that? Yeah. And I got a new movie coming out, my first dramatic lead. I forgot. The Brian Banks story. Then you were just staying Davis. busy. Yeah. I've, I've been really, really busy. And that's something when God said, do you trust me? Trust in me with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge, acknowledge me and he will and direct, your, direct path. your path. So when he said, and he only needs a little bit of faith. That's it. Mm -hmm. So when he said, do I trust you? I was like, just about a skin of my teeth. He said, that's all I need. That's all I need. (laughs) Lord, let let me tell you one more time. I got both. Girl, and I still do it. I just did it recently. I was like, Lord, in case you didn't hear me the first time, he's like, I I hear you. Yes, I heard you. Yes, and he has a sense of humor. He does. So um, tell me about trial and error. You just brought it up. Oh, trial and error. Trial and error. You told me that it's a little bit like. Parks and Recreation. It's like Parks and Recreation meets How to Make a Murder. There's all these films, The Jinx, The Staircase, and it's about these murder shows. And mixed in with Parks and Recreation, it's this very weird show. And it's a weird town called East Peck, East Peck in South Carolina. And so Kristen Chenoweth, we had John Lithgow in the first season, who was wonderful. Now we have the crazy Kristen Chenoweth. And she's an alleged lady killer. And she's this girl woman who's got a little bit of evil mixed in. And my character is Anne. Flatch, who is this very gentle, joyful character 
who has all of these abnormalities and I have facial blindness. I laugh hysterically when you talk about murder. I faint when I see beautiful artwork and they're very real neurological disorders. When I get my flu shot, I speak in a British accent. When I get my anesthesia, I walk backwards. When I'm startled, I jump 10 feet in the air. Do you have a, can you speak with a British accent? I, I can't anymore because I practiced it for that episode and they were so tired of me. I was running out sounding like Adele the entire <laughs> episode. So it's like I, if I drink too much, I'm a human combustible. Mm-hmm. I, my my arm sets itself on fire. So I go. She has a few idiosyncrasies. I have so many, and it's and it's so different from any character that I've ever played. It's not the sassy, you know, a cop on everybody loves Raymond or Friends. Or I was on Thirty Rock playing Tracy Morgan's wife. She's very joyful and she's very sweet. And I talk like this all the time and, and everything. And I just, I believe in the basic goodness of man, even though I don't know what he looks like because I have facial blindness. So I don't know who you are, but I know that you must be innocent, whoever you are. I love it. And I love that character. Okay, so we're almost done. I've got to ask you book recommendations. I have a couple of my favorites. Anything by Holly Wagner. She's one of the co-pastors with her husband, Philip Wagner, at Oasis Church. She's she's a God chick Mm -hmm. because she believes God chicks are like we rock and and God has an assignment for his chicks. And, you know, we are put here in all of our femininity and our being a woman because sometimes, you know, a man can't get in there like a woman can. You know, I think, and it's true, I think when you see a great man, there's somebody behind him, covering him. And she, she she's really has taught me, especially going through two divorces, that, you know, if a man is unequally yoked with the wrong woman, she won't, when he's going through stuff, he's not covered the right way. Mm-hmm. He's not being prayed over the right way. When you're going for just a pretty face and a great body, when you're really going through some stuff and she can't cover you with prayer. And I really realized, oh my goodness, Sherry, in a marriage, you were covering somebody that you hadn't waited on God for. You just got it. Fear is why I got married. My second marriage. Fear. It was all fear. And you, God cannot operate in fear. And so I wasn't covering them the right way. And so consequently, when I told her, I'm, I have no stamina for another man. I have mm-hmm. no energy. Not, and she goes, because you, you're covering. You've given it to the wrong people. Mm. But are you, get, are you single and ready to mingle now? I don't know if I'm ready to mingle. I'm fine right now because I can't afford another <laughs> another uh, mistake. <laughs> That's a problem. But I right now I'm going, Sherry, you've got to heal. And yeah. you got to figure out who you are and you got to know yourself. That's right. And you got to have fun by yourself. And there are things that I'm doing by myself and I'm having a good time. And there's relationships. When I say relationships, like friendships that I let go because I was so distracted. So there's friendships that I'm renewing. There's girls trips that I'm taking. There's things in my career that I'm doing. So right now I'm content and because my also, son needs me. Well, you're also training a, a soon to be pastor. My son, son, I'm telling you, my son already told me, no, 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 I'm jealous. It's just you and me, mommy. So I got to listen to that because it's very important when you're single. Whose heart are you giving your child? You you got your child's heart in your hand. Whose heart are you giving it to? And and having a man with you, he has your child's heart. And I, I, I. I went through a second marriage and realized I gave my son's heart to somebody that she maybe shouldn't have had his heart. And that's a big responsibility. So right now I have my son's heart all to myself and I've got to train it and I've got to teach it that Jesus is not bored when Jesus he goes, is to, ch- not when he goes when to church. He goes to church. <laughs> um, I've got some things to teach him to grow up and to be a man. So I'm like right now I'm, I put the brakes on it and I'm good. But it doesn't mean I don't ever say never. I don't think anybody's designed to be alone. Right. And so... When it happens, it's supposed to. But stop, like, people keep trying to put me to, with these retired athletes. 
I don't want a retired athlete because can we just put that out there, everyone? No retired, no athletes, retired girl, athletes. Their feet all messed up. Then they got to ride around on scooters because they lost their arches on the the football field. <laughs> then they give me, and I'm like, "Where's the NFL abs? No abs. No. You know, everything's hanging over that your was belt in their twenties. Yeah, and it's just and then you're talking, you're hearing voices and things, and I'm sitting here going, "Who are you talking to? You're not getting the best of them. You're getting the rest of them. Yeah, I'm getting the rest of them. I'm getting the remainder, like the, the remainder, the, the, the old. The, we're going down days. The overflow. So I'm like, yeah, live, live with the retired athletes. Please. No Cleophases and Willies and girl, my uncle love you. It's okay. It's all right. <laughs> Sherry, it's been a joy. Oh my gosh, that's and, fun. <laughs> and I think your faith is so inspiring for so many, including myself. Oh, oh, thank love. you so much. My Taking pleasure. The time. Thanks, Sherry. Thank you. Next week on Journeys of Faith, she explained it all as Clarissa and had viewers spellbound as Sabrina the Teenage Witch. But there's so much more to Melissa Joan Hart than her IMDb page. I believe that uh, there's two things. There's the golden rule, you know, treat everyone as you want to be treated and be kind to your neighbor and uh, believing that Jesus is your savior. And she tells us how her faith helped her find community. 